they had found him. So I got notified at church. Um, My whole church family kind of gathered around me and knew what was happening and prayed for me. Um, It was just so comforting to know, like, in this moment when you are so broken and so lost, all these people, they may know me, they may not know me, they might have heard my story, but they were just there. I'm Pam Lundell, and this is A Widow's Heart. My guest today on A Widow's Heart is a longtime friend who lost her husband in an unbelievable tragedy in 2007. We'll go through her story and how God's great love prevailed when she couldn't see that for herself. Her name is Betsy Ross Sathers. Hi, Betsy. Hi, Pam. Thanks for having me on. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. And first, you know, I've never even asked you about this, but Betsy Ross, that was your your maiden name. Uh, any any connection to the, the flag designer? <laughs> I've heard that so many times. I know. I and when, when I got married, my dad's like, why are you changing? You, you're Betsy Ross. You can't change your name. Um, it was because, wasted. Dad, you, you, you named me that. That's why. Yes, yes. I've hated the first day of school ever since then because every teacher's got a joke. Um, but I was a bicentennial baby, and my dad was kind of a jokester, so they were trying to pick out a name for me there were you know like if it's a boy maybe we'll name him Eric and then someone would have an issue no there was an Eric in fourth grade and he picked his nose it can't be Eric so my dad said well what if we name her Elizabeth and call her Betsy for short Betsy Ross and my mom's like you're kidding right and he's like nope I love it it's perfect can it please be Betsy (laughs) (laughs) So, well, Betsy, you and I've been friends for a long time and we've both been on, on the road, on the journey of being a widow, but now out so many years, I have a heart for widows and I know that you do too, but one thing that women do the best is when we share our stories and we lean on each other. And I'm so glad that you're my guest today on our second podcast of A Widow's Heart, because I want to go back to that day, August 1st, 2007. Can you tell me a little bit about you and your brand new husband? Sure. I was, we were married for 10 months. Everything was going well. Um, We both worked downtown and Some days we drove together, some days, depending on who had meetings when, we would drive separate. And that day he went into the office extra early so that um, we could be home. We were picking up a new car that night. We were so excited. It was our first Mm. big purchase together Um, and just had so many plans. So I left and I got home and let our dog out and throw in the Frisbee one of my girlfriends called and said, Betsy, are you home? And I said, yes. Why? What's, is everything okay? She said, oh, I'm so glad. Turn on the news. You're not going to believe this. The 35W bridge just collapsed. And oh. I just froze. I, I like, I it was tough to comprehend. I was home. I was safe. I had just talked to Scott. He said he was leaving work and he was just getting on the 35W bridge and I was trying to comprehend it all and I remember saying those words to him and in my mind I was so frustrated that he was late because we had these big plans Hmm. and rather than 
doing my wifely duty and saying, oh, really, honey, for tonight, you couldn't make it out of there on time and Mm. blah, blah, blah. I just said, okay, drive safely. I love you. Yeah. And then I get that call. Um, I, you know how you kind of know, but you don't know, like you're just watching this stuff on TV. And I'm like, well, this can't be happening to us because this happens to other people. Like this, the stuff on the news, this can't be our family. Like Scott, he must be just like fell. And I'm sure he's got an old bag of gummy bears mm-hmm. and maybe a half bottle of Gatorade. He'll be fine for a while. Yeah. Um, so in the backup the and the phone's not working or something. Yes, exactly. So all these things are going through your mind and you have all this hope and confusion. And my body was just in shock, I think. Um, because I go through that night and I don't know how I kept it together for the next few days. Um, we went from hospital to hospital, the Red Cross Center, you know, started making like missing signs to hand out to police and anyone else on this, on the scene. Um, and it was just like mass chaos, um, kind of like you're in a movie, but it's real life. Um, So that went on, you know, you wait one day and two days and they recovered a few people and you get hopes up and you have to go down there because it might be your husband. Um, But it was actually 18 days um, that he was missing. I thankful for all the people that helped in the recovery and rescue efforts in that horrible time. Um, but I remember sitting in church. It was a Sunday, the day they found him, um, kind of in the back left of church. And my mom came in. My mom hadn't gone to church with us. She stayed at home in case anything happened. Well, they had found him. So I got notified at church um my whole church family kind of gathered around me and knew what was happening and prayed for me um it was just so comforting to know like in this moment when you are so broken and so lost all these people they may know me they may not know me they might have heard my story but they were just there and it was super comforting um So we had that time and then you're like, this is really happening. I have to plan a funeral. Yeah, it's an, it's an out of body experience, isn't it? It is. It is. Um, And I remember being um, at the funeral home and they handed me Scott's wedding ring. And at that moment I knew like he's in heaven his things are here, but he's in heaven. Um, and I can just so vividly picture that moment. Um, and I was, it was hard. It's like I was trying to plan this perfect funeral. I was exhausted. I hadn't slept in 18 days. I like just mm-hmm. such an emotional wreck in that ring. I just held on to it. Um, you know, and I kept thinking, like, I had like a full year 
and RSVPs and knew the date a year ahead of time when we planned our wedding. And now I'm trying to plan a funeral. I have no idea how many people are going to be there. I have no idea. Like, he's not here to help me. Like, honey, does this dress look okay? Does that dress look okay? Like, what earrings should I wear? And he was always the best at being like, oh, sweetheart, I like the brown shoes with the open toes. And I mean, all of a sudden he wasn't there. We're talking with um, my friend Betsy Ross Sathers, who lost her husband, Scott, in the 35W Bridge collapsed August 1st, 2007. And I remember that day going over that bridge. In fact, I went to work each and every day at the radio station that I work at. um, And we were stopped in the construction six hours before the bridge fell and it was vibrating. And I thought, this isn't right. And I kept looking around and going, you know, I wonder what's happening. And then I was at my house the same time you were watching and at home wholly different um, set of reference watching that bridge collapse. And um, as you mentioned, I know it's an out-of-body experience. And not only were you planning a funeral, but before this happened, you were also planning an anniversary celebration. Yes. Um, we were married September 30th, and his funeral was August 24th. So we're trying to, you know, you're all excited for your first anniversary. I think to this day, my mom and dad still have my wedding topper in their freezer just oh, because they can't part with it. Um, and I was so broken. I was, I didn't know what to do, but I knew I wasn't alone. Like there were friends and family and so many people that missed Scott. So I decided prayed about it. I decided, how am I going to get through this day? Should I stay in bed? Should I watch our wedding video? Should I, you know, there is no right or wrong and anything would have been fine. But instead I planned a party because the Vikings happened to play for the Packers that day. (laughs) And Scott loved to entertain and watch football. It was kind of our Sunday thing. So I thought, what would Scott do here? Um, and had our wedding party over and just hung out and had time to be and share memories. And it, it seemed a little wrong to be celebrating it. But at the same time, there was tears, there was laughter. And I know Scott would have loved it. Oh, that's so good. We're talking with Betsy Roth Sathers, and I'm so thankful for you sharing that story. I know it's hard even after all of these years, but then tell me about how you felt in the days, the weeks, and the months after when those first few days, and I remember too, you can hardly get out of bed. You don't even know what's going on, and they do call it a widow's fog. How did you, how did you, how do you remember that? It was like all of a sudden, all right, Scott's been found. He's, we've had the funeral. Now I need to go back to work. And I remember sitting at my desk and looking at the phone being like, oh, Scott should be going to lunch now. He should be calling me any minute to check in. Mm-hmm. And just staring at my phone and looking. And um, then I realized or remembered like, oh, he's not physically here. Um it was just like going through life, but all of a sudden you need to, you thought you were going one way, you were all excited um, and had this plan and everything was kind of derailed and you needed to 
rebuild and figure out who am I and how can I manage? How can I get through this when I feel like I can barely get out of bed? Mm. Well, we're talking with Betsy Ross Sathers, my guest on A Widow's Heart, sharing her story of loss and then finding life once again. And we're going to talk about that in the second part of our podcast here. So you've got to stick around for that. A Widow's Heart is grateful for the support of Wings for Widows. Walking through widowhood is incredibly challenging. The number of important decisions that need to be made can simply be overwhelming, and it's hard to know who you can trust. Wings for Widows provides personalized financial planning to help widows and widowers move forward with clarity, confidence, and control over their financial wellness. All services are provided at no cost. More information is available at wingsforwidows.org. You're listening to A Widow's Heart. I'm Pam Wandell. So glad that you are here. We just pray that if you're on the journey of a widow, that you're able to get through day by day and maybe find some encouragement here. Talking with Betsy Ross Sathers, who lost her husband in the 35W bridge collapse on August 1st, 2007. And um, just hearing you tell that story again, Betsy, I mean, I just had goosebumps. I have tears in my eyes. But what, what was it? How did you know that God was walking alongside you? Yeah, um, it's so hard. It's like you're on autopilot, um, but then things would touch you. And I remember driving one day, and I don't even remember what song came on the radio, but I was listening to uh, KTIS and the radio station you were on. And I um, heard a song, and the sun was shining down, and I smiled. And I remember feeling like, it's going to be all right. But then I quickly like, Oh my gosh, I smiled. And how can I be smiling when I just lost my husband a few years oh, ago? Yes, I know. Um, right. And then yep. A mutual friend. Yes. We had a mutual friend. Um, a friend was telling me about her friend, which was you that had lost her husband. And then I just had to reach out and say, Hey, I appreciate what you do. I'm sorry you lost your husband and thank you for being there for all of us. Um, Widows on our journey. And yeah, I just, yeah, it was just the beginning stages and Mm -hmm. just kind of the beginning stages realizing that there were people that made it through. Yeah. There are people that kept putting one foot in front of the other and, they can do it and I can do it too. And yeah. I'm not alone. God's oh, here on the journey. He didn't want bad things to happen um, to me necessarily. Um, or I know, I know he didn't, even though at times I'm like, really God, what, what's your plan here? Cause this, this is not my plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, then kind of been friends since then. I know that uh, Bible verse <laughs> kind of goes through my mind. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. And one thing that I learned uh, through my early uh, journey as a widow too, is it's okay to be mad at God. It really is. I mean, you can shout, you can cry. As you mentioned, you can pray and not even have the words to pray, but but he is there with you going through it. So 
you're going through the days, you're going through the weeks, and now the first year has come around after your after your husband um, was had passed away. And I remember going out to dinner with you, Betsy, and you told me about your next uh, steps in your life and what you were going to do, and I couldn't even believe it. <laughs> Please tell us. <laughs> you know what? I probably couldn't believe it either. Um, and this isn't necessarily an endorsement for doing what I did, but... I felt so adamantly and in my heart, God speak to me that this was my plan. Um, Scott and I had hoped and prayed for a family. And I thought, gosh, I may or may not be a wife again. And I'm okay with that. But I don't want to give up being a mom. So it was just something internally that I kept feeling and I kept praying about it. Like, God, if, if this is really your plan for me, help me out, close the doors that are supposed to be closed, open the doors that are supposed to be opened. Um, you be the author. And what an amazing author he was. He helped me guide me, um, through the adoption process. And, uh, I was matched to two, not one, but two <laughs> beautiful babies. Um, yeah, twins. I'd always wanted twins. I had twin cabbage patch kids growing up. And I look and I'm like, I cannot believe that these two little humans are going to be my children. Um, and there in one instant, I fell in love so deeply just by looking at this picture and I knew they were my children and I was their mom. Amazing story. Betsy Ross Sathers is talking about the adoption process um, after her husband passed away. And that did not happen here in the United States. I remember you telling me where you were going and what you were doing. And I was like, oh my. Yes. You had every right to be like, oh my. Um, But I just knew I felt in my heart and I knew that my children were in Haiti and that they were there somewhere and we needed to connect. Okay. So I prayed, God, you be the author, open the doors that are supposed to be open, close the doors that are supposed to be closed. And he did exactly that. Um, I would kind of be like, maybe I'll go this way to be a mom, or maybe I'll take this path, or maybe I'll foster, maybe I'll look at China. And, and each place, there was some reason it wasn't just quite right um, until I looked at Haiti, and I knew, I just knew that that's where I wanted to adopt from and that that was God's plan for me and my family. And I remember you telling me that you were going to go and visit and that you were going to pick out, um, you know, hopefully your child, your child would pick you out, right? Um, but it was two, you wound up with twins. Mm -hmm. And then the story goes on from there. Yeah. And just to be clear, it's not like for Haiti adoptions at the time, um, you would fill out all your paperwork. 
Um, you would get a physical, you'd get all your financial forms, you basically hundreds of pages of psychological exams and everything to make sure that you were qualified to be a parent. Um, and one thing I thought was interesting is at that time in Haiti, if you were married, you had to have been married for 10 years in order to apply. But if you were a single woman, you could adopt. So what happened next? And it wasn't just immediate, was it? It took a while and there were some bumps along the way. The adoption process um, at that time typically took about a year and a half. Um, But I was so excited to meet them and hold my babies. Um, So I looked at my mom and I'm like, let's go. Um, So we made our first trip down to Haiti and... I, it's just indescribable there. Um, but all of that, all, all the things happening in that country, um, the moment they handed me my children, it just, it's, I mean, I know people talk about, um, giving birth to their children and that feeling they have, but I can't imagine it being, any different or any like these were my kids this was my family um so my mom and I spent three days there and just got to enjoy them and bond with them and we got back home and I cried the whole airplane ride home Mm. but I knew I, I needed to go back so a few weeks later I had the honor and privilege of going uh, back to Haiti to visit my kids. And this time I brought a friend near and dear to me um, who happened to have also adopted from Haiti. So we got to bring her oldest daughter with. Um, and that was really fun and interesting to kind of see things through her eyes. Um, so we came back and again, the third time I'm like, I got to go back. It's January 1st is their second birthday. I missed mm. the day they were born and I missed their first birthday. But I'll be darned, I am not going to miss their second birthday. So I like, I am going to be a single mom and I am going to Haiti by myself. Mm. And this is what I'm doing. Uh, so we prayed about it and we, I went and um, yeah, I was a little nervous, but felt a little out of my comfort zone, but I knew in my heart, this is what I wanted to do. So the last two trips to Haiti, I had the, um, someone from the orphanage came to pick me up. I had my own driver and we had it all arranged that the driver was coming to pick me up at the airport. He would have a sign. Um, they would have the children and we'd go celebrate their second birthday. But I waited outside the Haiti airport and I stuck out like a sore thumb. I was <laughs> the only white person that I could see, um, which gave me a whole new sense, like, because I was so vulnerable there. Um, 
people were offering me rides and I don't know if they were offering me rides out of the kindness of their heart or if they might have had other plans. Um, there were big UN trucks with um, foes guarding the airport and I just kind of stuck close to one of those um, trucks thinking if something went down, maybe they would help. Um, but I just remember that time of feeling vulnerable and mm. it turns out there was a mix up in communication and um, they came and picked me up from the airport. The people that were supposed to be um, picked me up and I got to celebrate my kid's second birthday. I had tried to order a cake, um, but that hadn't worked out. <laughs> no. But the, here, here, the gentleman, um, the director of everything, it was his birthday the day before. So he's like, don't worry, I still have half my birthday cake left. Oh. So we put candles on it, we sang. Um, oh. It was not how I had planned it. Um, yeah. But I think it's what God planned and what I needed mm -hmm. at that time. Yeah. I needed to um, have an insight into how my kids might feel coming back to the United States um, in January <laughs> mm. and not looking like everyone else and things not being the same as what they're used to. And, um, so I'm thankful for that. Oh, that's amazing. So you brought these two, two, two-year-olds <laughs> to the United yes. States and you are a family. And how has it been since then? Well, should we talk about the earthquake quick? Yeah, I, I don't know if you okay. if you forgot okay. about that. I mean, I know you didn't forget oh, about yeah, it, no. but did oh. that happen after? Did that happen after they okay. were two? Um, yep. So I celebrated their second birthday with them, um, January first, and then I came back and I missed them and I couldn't wait to see them again. I was going to go in another um, month or so to see them, and then two weeks later, I get a call from my brother. Sounded eerily familiar. Betsy, have you turned on the news? Oh. Like, oh, gosh, what happened? He's like, there's a major earthquake in Haiti. Have you heard from the kids? Are they okay? Um, and I just, I thought, I'm like, okay, I had one thing going for me when the bridge collapsed. I was a naive. Like, things like this happen to other people. Um, and when I'm watching all the horror of aftermath of the Haiti earthquake, I just immediately, like, those are my kids. This is real. This is, um, it was the scariest yeah, it's time just not seems... knowing, like, you can't get there. You can't, there's, you're a new mom and you can't, you can't be there to help your kids. And it's Haiti and things are different there. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, but again, God had a plan. Um, and by the grace of God, a friend of a friend of a friend of someone my mom worked with, a uh, um, whole inner happened to be in Haiti on a missions trip and heard our story. And he had just left where my children were. So he agreed to stay with them until we could get the paperwork finalized. Um, because I was already in the process of adoption and I had most of the paperwork done, um, they agreed to let 
the children into the United States on humanitarian parole and finish the paperwork here in the U.S. Yes. So I got a call. Um, Luckily, there was some other missionaries that were flying back and they flew them to Florida. So I get a phone call on a Friday night. It was like five o'clock and like, hey, how quick can you get to Florida? I don't know. Um, And I looked and the flights were booked. I'm like, no, no, I need to get on that flight. And I refreshed and all of a sudden there were two first class tickets for a reasonable price that Ah. popped up. I'm like, oh, yes, mom, we're going to Florida. Um, Race. Oh, my goodness. And because it was first class, we could um, bypass some of the security and um, make it through the lines and made it onto the airplane right as the gates were closing the one of the flight attendants was telling us yeah they just had a last minute um aircraft change and it it happened to be a little bit bigger and happened to have a couple extra seats so again even though in the midst of chaos someone had his hand on it yeah oh that's incredible so then you were reunited with your twins then on american soil yes um so then i got to hold them and love them up and know that they were actually safe and take a deep breath and be like, wow, um, these are my children. And I got to bring them to Minnesota. They left 105 degree heat and it was 20 below. <laughs> Boy, <laughs> talk you know, about had, a yes, shock. Like, they had never been in car seats. They never, like, everything. What's all this white stuff all over? <laughs> um, so they were two when you got them home after miraculously surviving the earthquake. And, yes. and um, how old are they now? They just turned 14. <laughs> Betsy, <laughs> that is amazing. I know. I that know. is amazing. And I, I know, know having kids in any shape or form is always a challenge. And I know you've been in the hills and you've been in the valleys, but here you are 14 years later. And I know we could talk for hours, but I just yeah. want to ask you, how are you and your family today? You know, we're doing good. I think it's a hard time for anyone we've had our ups we've had our downs but I've I've known God was there for them I'm like hey I made it through this and this and this yeah we can make it through two weeks of quarantine no problem (laughs) oh it's it's just I, I see you know God's hand on this through the whole time and and just heartbreaking how you lost Scott in 2007 in uh, a tragedy, the 35W bridge collapse, another tragedy with an earthquake, and your twins were brought home to you. Um, and I'm so glad that you're doing well. It's not easy, but um, what have you learned about God's love for you through this entire journey? Um, so much, but at the same time, it's tough for me to put into words. Um, I feel like he is always there. Um, but at the same time, I've noticed, like, I'll get going in my own direction. It Like, in the midst of the bridge collapse, in the midst of the earthquake, I had faith and I clung to it so tight and I was reading my Bible and praying nonstop. 
and then things seemed to be going better. And I kind of not necessarily started relying on his guidance anymore, but started to come up with my plan and um, do things how I wanted and I expected them to be. Um, and that's in those times, I think I have to take a step back and be like, hey, he got you through this and that. Remember, even the little stuff, he's there. We're talking to Betsy uh, Sathers, and I just want to thank you so much for taking time to share your story. And we have traveled a great distance and gone through so much in a short time here. And I know we could talk for hours, but I know. Um, yeah, in closing, what what would you say to um, uh, someone brand new to this journey who just lost her husband a week ago, a month ago, even a year ago? What is your encouragement? Oh, this could be a whole podcast of its own. I know. Um, but briefly just there is no manual there's no right or wrong way um remember to take care of yourself if you need a nap take a nap if you want to wear a red dress wear a red dress no you don't need to be in black for two weeks or um Mm. i think sometimes there's these societal like this is how you should do things but this is not something that there was um a manual for you mm-hmm. may have people that show up for you in ways you don't expect then you may have friends that you thought would be there and they aren't um but the thing is that i learned is people often don't know what to do or say right um and they might avoid the situation altogether and not to be bitter about that um but just give everyone grace everyone's trying their best um you know, sometimes people don't know what to say and things will come out like, at least you're young and can get remarried and like, mm. <laughs> still at the funeral, can you give me a little bit? Right. Um, oh. or, or <laughs> thankfully you didn't have kids because that would be really sad for them. Oh, um, Betsy, tell me that didn't know? happen. Oh my oh, goodness. Yes, 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 yes. Um, and I'm like, oh Mine. my gosh, do you know how bad? Like, this mine was, be, um, yeah. my, mine was, um, yeah, literally at the, at the visitation was God's going to take this and do something great. And I'm like, I want my husband back. Go away. Okay. I want to <laughs> hear that. But you yes. know, he does um, and we know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so and it might seem like, how am I going to get through? But know that you have a heavenly father, that he loves you very much. And it may feel like he's abandoned you but he's there and lean on him and give yourself grace give those around you grace and um it's okay to be mad it's okay to be sad if you feel like smiling smile laugh take a day and don't get out of bed but then the next day get up and enjoy the sunshine enjoy fresh air and we're all doing our best I pray God's best for you. And thank you for listening to A Widow's Heart, supported by Wings for Widows. In future podcasts, we'll hear more stories of grief, grace, and healing. We'll also talk with experts and encouraging authors that I pray will help you through day by day. If you're a widow, thank you for listening. And if you know a widow, please tell her about A Widow's Heart, available on Apple, Spotify, and Google. Matthew 5, 4 says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. The good news, God will never abandon us during our times of grief. He will always provide us with love and with hope. 
A Widow's Heart is a product of Northwestern Media, a ministry of University of Northwestern St. Paul.